The service of prayer and preaching for the 11th Sunday after Trinity, August 20th, 2023. We sing hymn LSB 559, Oh, How Great Is Your Compassion. This is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Sanctify us in your truth. Your word is truth. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. The Lord God is my strength and my song, and he 
has become my salvation. With joy will you draw water from the wells of salvation. And you will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples. Proclaim that his name is exalted. The Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitants of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. The Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. A reading from Genesis, the fourth chapter. Now Adam knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man, the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought in to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well... Sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me, finds me will kill me. Then the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. 
This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The introit is verses from Psalm 68. God is in his holy habitation. He settles the solitary in a home. The God of Israel, he is the one who gives power and strength to his people. God shall arise, his enemies shall be scattered, and those who hate him shall flee before him. But the righteous shall be glad, they shall exult before God. They shall be jubilant with joy. O God, when you went out before your people, in your goodness, O God, you provided for the needy. Blessed be the Lord, who daily bears us up. God is our salvation. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen. God is in his holy habitation. He settles the solitary in a home. The God of Israel, he is the one who gives power and strength to his people. A reading from Ephesians, the second chapter. And you are dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A reading from Luke, the 18th chapter. Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves, that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. 
For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We continue with a common responsory found on page 263. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly set in the heavens. Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. The Ten Commandments, the Apostles' Creed, and the Lord's Prayer. You shall have no other gods. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. By grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. You are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. These well-known words from Paul are easy to read and understand, but hard to remember and live out. The works that God prepares beforehand, our sinful nature doesn't really want to do. It's often hard and uncomfortable, and who wants to do something like that? Jesus illustrates this by a parable. This, too, is well known. There were two men who went to pray. But before we get to the parable, let me ask you a personal question. What kind of people do you like better? Those who always thank you for things or those who always ask you for things? The one who thanks you for things probably isn't much of a burden. He seems to recognize the effort and thought you put into what you do. Meanwhile, the one who always asks you for stuff is always depending on you. You see his number come up on your phone, or you see him walking through your door, and you might groan a little 
wondering what he wants this time. Two people went to worship God. One gave thanks, and the other asked for things. Which one do you think was accepted by God? One spent the entire time thanking God. He was cheerful. He was not afraid to express how he felt. He was committed to giving more and more to God. The other one stood far away. He wouldn't even look up to God while he asked him for help. He wasn't cheerful. He wasn't committed to much of anything except throwing himself on the mercy of God. Jesus tells us that the one who asked was declared righteous by God, and the one who spent his time giving thanks was not. Now the point of this parable is not that we shouldn't thank God. The point is that the Pharisees' show of thanksgiving wasn't true thanksgiving at all. He wasn't thankful. To be thankful toward God is to speak of what God has done. Last week I mentioned the liturgy, and for a bit this week I want you to consider how our worship service is arranged. Before we take part in the Lord's Supper, we follow our Lord's example by giving thanks. I say, let us give thanks unto the Lord our God. You respond, it is meet and right so to do. Then the prayer of thanksgiving goes on to thank God. But what does this thanksgiving sound like? After saying it is truly meet, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, the prayer goes on to describe what God has done. During this part of the Trinity season, we recall what God has done. It is truly meet, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who, having created all things, took on human flesh, and was born of the Virgin Mary. For our sake he died on the cross and rose from the dead to put an end to death, thus fulfilling your will and gaining for you a holy people. Consider another part of our worship service. In the Gloria and Excelsis, we sing the song of the angels, reminded of our Savior's birth, which revealed God's heavenly glory to bring peace toward sinners. And then the song goes on to praise and thank God. But again, what does this praise and thanksgiving sound like? It recounts who God is and what he has done. We sing of Christ's incarnation, his atoning death, and his ascension to the right hand of the Father. And in the midst of our praise and thanksgiving, we beg him to have mercy on us and to receive our prayer. Thanksgiving gives God the glory by actually talking about what God has done and continues to do through his Son and his Holy Spirit. When you look at the parable from Jesus on the face of it, there is no reason to deny that the Pharisees' expression of thanksgiving and praise was sincere. Our culture today primes us for a closer examination of this text. If feelings run the day, if how I feel dictates everything that is right and true for me, then is not the Pharisee to be justified. He expressed what he felt. Who are you to tell him that his thankfulness isn't sincere or true for him? Who are you to judge him for feeling what he feels and expressing it how he wants to express it? He certainly felt thankful. Thankful that he was not like other men. Thankful that he was not a cheat, an adulterer, a thief, or a tax collector. He was happy. Knowing that he had developed good habits of piety gave him joy. Feelings of subjectivity 
must always be measured against objective reality. Feelings can lie. Feelings can change from moment to moment, and so perhaps they are not the best things to always trust in. Can they be trusted? Sure they can. But for everything, all the time? Perhaps not. The Pharisee felt thankful, but feeling thankful isn't necessarily true thankfulness. Sincere expressions of worship aren't necessarily true and sincere worship. If you are truly thankful toward God, then this means that you acknowledge what God has done. You can tell God again and again that he is worthy to be praised. But if what God has done is not clearly known or confessed, then your praise and thanksgiving will end up being all about you and your own expressions of some kind of personal religious fervor. It is good to be thankful that God has kept you from terrible sins such as adultery, gossip, misuse of God's gifts, and theft. But how does God do this? He sent his Son into the flesh to bear our sins. He gives us his Holy Spirit through his word, and he strengthens us against temptation through this same gospel. If we forget this, then our praise of God turns into praise or ourselves. This is why Jesus gives the example of the tax collector as a true model for worship and thanksgiving. True thanksgiving flows out of a broken and contrite heart and faith trusting in the mercy of God. Look at what the tax collector is doing. First, he is standing afar off. He is ashamed of himself. He has learned the law of God from the teachers at the temple, and this law has taught him that he stands guilty before God. He has learned that he should love God with his whole heart. He should love his neighbor as himself. He has been drawn by the law to see that he shouldn't lust after money while neglecting to pray and acknowledge God. He has been taught by the law that he shouldn't cheat or sell out his neighbor. He has come to realize how guilty he is, so he stands far away like a little child afraid to come into the living room to speak to his angry parents. <clears throat> Second, he's not even looking up to heaven. He knows that God is the Lord of heaven. Heaven is his throne and earth is his footstool. He has learned from Psalm 143 that no one living is righteous in the presence of God. And he has learned from Moses that no one can see God and live. Like a child who looks away when he approaches his father, he doesn't even dare to look up to the throne of God. Third, he beats his chest. Here he is acknowledging that he is flesh and blood. He is the creature and God is the creator. God has made him, giving him everything he has in both body and soul, yet this man finds nothing good within himself. These three signs are described by Jesus in his parable in order to teach us what contrition is. Contrition means that you are sorry for your sins. You don't make excuses. You're ashamed. Your sins bother you because you know that they offend the living and holy God of heaven. You plead guilty. You claim nothing good in yourself. But then Jesus describes the tax collector's brief prayer. First, he asks for mercy. He asks for forgiveness. Literally, he asks God to provide atonement for his sins. Oh God, be propitiated towards me, he says. In other words, let your anger be turned away from me. Here, he is expressing another doctrine he has learned from the prophets. In the temple, he has also learned from the signs of the sacrifices. He could smell the stench of the blood. He could hear the slaughter of the animals. These were signs of the sacrifice God promised to provide. As Psalm 65 says, Iniquities prevail against me, 
As for our transgressions, you will provide atonement for them. Here is the object of his faith, expressed in this very brief prayer. He doesn't rely on many words like the pagans who think they will be heard because of how much they're saying. In this little phrase, have mercy, forgive me, let your anger be turned away from me. He is confessing the very heart of what he was taught in the house of God. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. God is visiting his people to redeem them. This is the object of our faith. It is the very content of our worship, and it is the ground of our thanksgiving and praise. The tax collector also calls himself a sinner. He calls himself the sinner. While the Pharisee compares himself to the tax collector, the tax collector compares himself to God. God is the righteous one, and the tax collector is the sinner. Here is a true confession, and this is at the heart of our worship and thanksgiving. It is to recount how God is righteous and how we are sinful. It is to hear from God what he freely gives and receive it with the empty hand of faith. This worship of the tax collector followed him back to his house. I tell you, Jesus says, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. He went to the house of God, not with his own righteousness. Instead, he claimed God's righteousness, God's mercy, God's forgiveness for Jesus' sake. He brought it home with him. Did he feel good like the Pharisee felt? It seems not. But the comfort the gospel gives is hidden in the grief of an afflicted and humbled spirit. Did he feel as thankful as the Pharisee? It doesn't appear so. But his confidence in God's mercy far exceeds any pious feelings we can muster up by our own efforts. Before telling this parable, Jesus was lamenting about whether the Son of Man would find faith on the earth when he returns. He was telling a parable of a woman who kept asking for justice from an unjust judge. The unjust judge didn't want to help her, but because he was annoyed and overcome by her continual begging, he finally relented and gave her what she asked. To the world, those who worship God with a broken and contrite spirit seem like annoyingly needy people. But Jesus paints these pictures for us to illustrate faith. Will he find such faith when he returns? Will he find the brokenhearted, which clings only to what God has promised in his Son? This true worship of faith is impossible for man. It can't come about by our own methods and pious measures, no matter how sincere we imagine them to be. All our attempts to create an authentic worship environment only end up in exalting ourselves and avoiding any humiliation. And those who won't be humbled in this life will most certainly be humbled by God's final judgment. But when the word of God faces you in sincerity and truth, revealing the darkness of your natural heart's desires and lays before you the only hope of mercy and salvation in God's Son, then the Holy Spirit is creating and sustaining faith. Despite how the world despises and is even annoyed by this faith, God counts it as righteousness. He will not let his saints' tears go unnoticed. He will not turn away from their cries. When they ask him for what only he can give, he will grant it. He will exalt them at the proper time, filling their hearts with eternal praise and thanksgiving before his heavenly throne. Let us pray. By grace I'm saved, grace free and boundless. My soul believe and doubt it not. Why stagger at this word of promise? Has scripture ever falsehood taught? No, then this word must true remain. By grace you too will life obtain. By grace on this I'll rest when dying. 
In Jesus' promise I rejoice, for though I know my heart's condition, I also know my Savior's voice. My heart is glad, all grief has flown since I am saved by grace alone. Amen. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. We sing hymn LSB 566, By Grace I'm Saved. By grace I'm saved, grace free and boundless. My soul believe and doubt it not. Why stagger at this word of promise? Has scripture ever falsehood taught? Know then this word must true remain. By grace you too will life obtain. By grace none dare lay claim to merit. Our works and conduct have no worth. God in his love sent our Redeemer, Christ Jesus to this sinful earth. His death did for our sins atone, and we are saved by grace alone. By grace God's Son, our only Savior, came down to earth to bear our sin. Was it because of your own merit that Jesus died your soul to win? No, it was grace and grace alone that brought him from his heavenly throne. By grace this crown of faith is certain, as long as God is true it stands. What saints have penned by inspiration, what in his word our God demands, our faith in what our God has done, depends on grace, grace through his Son. <clears throat> By grace to timid hearts that tremble, in tribulations furnace tried. By grace, in spite of fear and trouble, the Father's heart is open wide. Where could I help and strength secure if grace were not my anchor sure? 
thy grace on this I'll rest when dying. In Jesus' promise I rejoice. For though I know my heart's condition, I also know my Savior's voice. My heart is glad of grief as flown, since I am saved by grace alone. In peace let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the gift of divine peace and of pardon with all our heart and with all our mind, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the Holy Christian Church, here and scattered throughout the world, and for the proclamation of the gospel and the calling of all to faith, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For this nation, for our cities and communities, and for the common welfare of us all, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For seasonable weather and for the fruitfulness of the earth, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those who labor, for those whose work is difficult or dangerous, and for all who travel, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all those in need, for the hungry and homeless, for the widowed and orphaned, and for all those in prison, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the sick and the dying, and for all those who care for them, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Finally, for these and for all our needs of body and soul, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Almighty and everlasting God, always more ready to hear than we to pray, and to give more than we either desire or deserve. Pour down upon us the abundance of your mercy, forgiving those things of which our conscience is afraid, and giving us those good things that we are not worthy to ask, except through the merits and mediation of Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Blessed Lord, you have caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant that we may so hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by the patience and comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. I thank you, my Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger. And I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Christ has been raised from the dead. Alleluia. Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Raised from the dead, he will never die again. Death has no more dominion. Oh. 
Bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Almighty and merciful Lord, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, bless and preserve you. Amen. We sing hymn LSB 615, When in the Hour of Deepest Need. So we with all 
our glad thanksgiving pay, then walk obedient to your word, and now and ever praise you.